You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm your host, Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter at Cleveland.com, Mr. Chris Fedor, who joins us today from Chicago. Chris, how are we doing today, my friend? Brother, I'm doing great, man. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Things are The weather is finally clearing up a little bit here in Northeast Ohio. We've had some, uh, some, some cloudy days and some cold days, but hopefully we're getting back to spring soon. So uh, how is the weather over there in Chicago? Pretty much the same. Oh, I mean, it's freezing, um, but that's okay. It's not snowing. It's not raining, so that's helpful. Um, I landed yesterday, and it was about, I don't know, 40 degrees or something along those lines, and when I was outside walking to my dinner spot, everyone was wearing winter coats and scarves and winter hats. It's the middle of April, for Christ's sake. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, I understand that it's the Midwest. I understand that it's Chicago and Cleveland and the weather can be really fickle. But I I had put my winter coat away, man. Like, I didn't think I was going to need it on this particular trip, but I had to bring it with me. It's ridiculous. Yeah, unfortunately, you did. I mean, you know, like I said, it's, you, it, in Cleveland, it's been like it was so nice for last week. And then all of a sudden, three days or so, it was like, yeah, so it's definitely been an interesting journey, to say the least. I'll say this, too, bud. Thank God it is sunny this afternoon here in Chicago because the lunch spot that I went to, um, it is one of the most well-known places in all of Chicago. Um, It is so busy. Things are really starting to open up here in Chicago, especially um, since last time I was here. It was about two, two and a half weeks ago. It was the end of March. And things were still a little bit closed down and um, restaurants were not at the capacity that they're at right now. Um, so this place in Chicago, Hayden, it is called Cheval Diner. I have heard of it. Okay. Yep. Absolutely awesome. It is the best burger that I've ever had in my life. And I travel all around the country and I look for the best burgers because I love a good burger. There is a place in New York, actually. It's called JG Mellon. It is very, very close in, in terms of quality to Cheval, but Cheval to me is the best one that I've ever had. It opened at noon Chicago time, right? Mm-hmm. I got there 10 minutes before because I know the trick. You have to get there early. Um, I got there 10 minutes before it opened and they had no more seats inside already. Those were all taken. Wow. So anybody that um, was willing to sit outside didn't have to wait. 
And if it wouldn't have been sunny, I would have been miserable, freezing cold outside. But I was able to brave it. I was able to sit right away. And there was a heater close enough by me with the sun shining that it made it okay for me, even though it is kind of cold outside. Hey, that works. Whatever gets it done. Oh, man. I was so happy. I thought I was going to have to wait like an hour because by the time I got there, the line to check in was already wrapped around the building. That's how crazy that place is, especially on a Saturday. Oh, yeah, I can imagine a spring Saturday you know, oh, in yeah. when things are opening up again. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. it was um, a, a difficult line to navigate. But you got your burger. You're, you're good to go for the rest, yeah, of, for the, rest of the day. Uh, Cavaliers tonight in Chicago, as I mentioned, taking on the Chicago Bulls. As of late, Chris, I mean, the Cavaliers have kind of been, you know, better because they've been a little more healthy. They're back to full strength. I mean, yeah. you saw them get a win over the Charlotte Hornets. You saw them struggle a little bit against the Warriors, uh, 119-101 loss. And then, you know, obviously they had a pretty difficult, um, pretty difficult game against the uh, Pelicans and the Raptors. But when you look at the fact that the Charlotte Hornets, I mean, they were finally back to full strength um, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, which is an encouraging sign, which means going forward, you know, they're going to be, hopefully, I mean, the Cavaliers have dealt with injuries all year long to so many different players, um, you know, concussions and with the Matthew Delavidova and Jared Allen and then the calf with uh, Kevin Love. And then you had, um, then you had. Um, Shoot, I Larry, mean, Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance Jr.'s illness. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he's had, a, he's had various things going on. So. I mean, how 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 fun is it for them to just be able to play together as a full right. unit once again? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. After I wrote it, um, when they beat Charlotte, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's Charlotte, and, and Charlotte stinks right now because they're dealing with a bunch of injuries to Gordon Hayward, and LaMelo Ball's not around, and P.J. Washington just got hurt too. And it's like, yeah, that's true. You always have to put every win in perspective, just like you have to put every loss in perspective. But they didn't leave Charlotte feeling really, really good about their chances of making this push in the final month, Hayden, because they beat Charlotte, right? Or because they played great basketball about Charlotte. It's about what you said. It's about the fact that they know they're getting healthy. And the team that they thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, they now have a chance to be in the final month because they are full strength. And, and I say that understanding that Dylan Windler is not right. Um, he still has not really been able to do a lot of basketball-related activities before the game the other night against the Warriors. He was able to be out there on the court and go through a pregame workout, but it's not like he's been able to practice or be at shoot-around or anything like that. Um, but he doesn't really matter because he wasn't going to be in the rotation anyway. So the rotation, or at least based on what – uh, head coach J.B. Bickerstaff felt um, once Dylan was not performing well enough to be in that rotation. So what they um, are excited about is the fact that they now have Kevin Love. And Kevin Love can be in the starting lineup and Larry Nance Jr. can be a part of the reserve unit boosting that group. Uh, Jared Allen is back healthy. So it's like the starting lineup post-Jared Allen trade that they were anticipating for a long, long time that they wanted to see, uh, they're going to get an opportunity to see whether it works, whether it doesn't work. Um, And that's the thing, right? Like, I don't know if this five-man lineup is going to work. J.B. Pickerstaff doesn't know if it's going to work. Kobe Altman, as he tries to evaluate this team going into a very important offseason, 
he has no idea if these pieces are going to fit together. The only way they're going to find these answers while also playing what they think is going to be better basketball is to actually run these guys out there together. And that's where their excitement comes in. Yeah, I mean, the starting lineup that you're referring to, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Kevin Love, Jared Allen, I mean, did not play particularly well um, against Golden State, but you're right. Incorrect. Incorrect, my friend. Incorrect. Yes, I am bringing the numbers to you. See, that's the thing. That's why you have to look at individual components independent of result. And we've done it all season long, right? Okay. So if we want to know how that lineup functions together, we can't look at the end result because the end result also plays into how the bench played and what did Matthew Dellavedova do when he was in his minutes against Steph Curry and things like that. In 16 minutes against the Golden State Warriors, the five-man lineup, that starting group, Darius, Colin, Isaac, Kevin Love, and Jaron Allen had a net rating of 15. Think about that now. Yeah. That is a 105.9 offensive rating. Not great. That needs to be higher. You think that probably is going to get higher once they get more comfortable playing with each other. A defensive rating, by the way, with Kevin Love in that lineup of 90.9 and a net rating of 15. So they outscored the Warriors uh, by 15 points per 100 possessions while they were on the court together. Like, that is awesome for a five-man lineup. Again, small sample size, only one game, but it shows the promise of what those five can do together. And the Cavs didn't lose the game the other night against the Warriors because that group didn't work. They lost the game the other night against the Warriors because the bench was a negative. It was awful. Nance was bad. Delavadova was bad. Torian Prince didn't turn it around until the second half. And they got outscored by the Warriors bench 45-23. to That's how you lost the game. That's very true. When you look at the numbers, Torian Prince had 12, but Larry Nance was had three points. Um, in 24 minutes was not very good at five rebounds. Um, yeah. He's coming back from that illness, though. So I think it's going to take him some time. Right. Um, but and Kevin Love had a pretty bad night, too. I mean, two of 10 from the field, one of seven from three point. If, the, you know, maybe if he turns it up a little bit um, that, you know, that maybe Cleveland outscores them even more in the first half or the first quarter. And, you know, maybe it's a closer game. But you're right. The uh, the bench did not play super well in that game or did not play well at all in that game when you look at the numbers. Um but you're right. And I, th- I mean, and I think that group is only going to continue to, you know, as they continue to gel together, right. um, they're only going to continue to, you know, grow and learn each other and get better as they as they move forward. And can I say something, too, about Kevin Love? Yeah. Um, you know, I think we have to take it out of our minds that he's going to be this 2010 guy. You know what I mean? No, no. Yeah. He's not that guy anymore, especially when he plays on the second night of a back to back. In saying that, even though his numbers and and his night is probably just overall going to be more muted, like the impact is still going to be there. And and you saw it against Charlotte, and you saw it a little bit against Golden State too. Um, When Kevin's on the floor, the attention goes to him. Yep. Darius Garland has spent the last week and a half talking about this. He was asked the question again today, and he started chuckling, and he was like, I don't know what else you guys want me to say. Like, every time Kevin's out there, it makes things easier on me. So for Colin and Darius to not have all eyeballs of the defense placed on them 
because Kevin's out there, that's impact. Even if Kevin goes two of 10 from the field, right? Even if he's not making his three pointers, even if he looks old and slow at times, his reputation, Hayden, is still there. And Golden State sent multiple guys against him, right? Charlotte sent multiple guys against him. And we can argue whether that's a good defensive strategy from those teams. It's not. But that's the kind of reputation that he has. That's the kind of attention that he draws. And that's how he opens up everything for everybody. And the other thing is, you saw what Jared Allen did against the Warriors. A big part of that is because, you know, he's not sharing the lane with somebody like Larry Nance Jr. Uh, Larry has gotten better as a floor spacer. He's gotten better as a three-point shooter, but he's not Kevin. Um, So all of a sudden, the first play of the game against Charlotte, this showed it. You know, you had Okoro beyond the three-point line. You had Dean Wade beyond the three-point line. And he had Kevin Love beyond the three-point line, a spaced-out floor for Darius and Jared Allen to run their two-man game. That's going to be available more because Kevin's out there. And and I think we have to recognize that kind of impact even when he's not putting up the big numbers, even when he's not um, shooting a high percentage like he did the other night against Golden State. Well, he's I mean, he's still capable of putting up, you know, the 18 and 10. Sure, without a doubt. Right, he did that's that against, not going to be consistent. He did against, right, he did against Charlotte. He had 17 and 11. He did against Oklahoma City. He had 18 and 11. Right. Um, you know, he's had pretty he's, pretty, he's had pretty much 18, 17, 18 points for most of the games that he's played lately outside of the game against Golden State, which he struggled. But 18, 18, 19, 17 in the last four before that game. So certainly still an offensive threat, no matter how you look at it. And you're right, that's going to space the floor, allow for other guys to have opportunities. Um going forward so yes i think that kevin you know again one everybody every player has a bad night and but you're right even on his bad nights his reputation is going to precede him and they're going to have to pay attention to him especially on the uh defensive end of the floor yep so chris i mean the cavaliers have about a month left you mentioned in this in this piece that you wrote um and you can go to cleveland.com slash calves and before i forget and i would won't forget but before i forget you should go to cleveland.com slash calves and sign up for chris's subtext 3.99 a month 14-day free trial all you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash calves and you will see a blue banner at the top of the page all you have to do is click on that banner and the instructions will be there for you to get your breaking news analysis insight uh from chris straight to your phone so again 3.99 a month 14-day free trial. Um, This piece you wrote two days ago called Cleveland Cavaliers Believe Best Basketball is Coming in the Final Month. We're just getting started. So is that, that's kind of a combination of everything, right? That's kind of a combination of, okay, we're starting to get healthy. We're getting our vets back. We're getting, you know, Larry Nance Jr. back. We're getting Jared Allen back. You know, Colin and Darius have had a full year or a lot, a long year of development. Um, They're going to learn how to play, you know, even better with these guys in the lineup because maybe some of the onus is going to be taken off them. Um, I think that all has to play into why they feel this way. Yeah, and the other thing is, and Darius admitted this earlier today in shoot-around, they are scoreboard watching. Yeah, They are looking at the schedule. Like, yes, these guys are human. As much as they're programmed for the one game at a time, don't look too far ahead, they're human. They understand the opportunity that's in front of them. Chicago tonight, Detroit on Monday, Chicago again Wednesday, you know, Charlotte again, that Charlotte's not full strength, Washington twice, the teams that are clustered around them in the Eastern Conference standings that are fighting also 
for that final play-in spot, the Cavs are going to play those teams down the stretch. And they're going to have an opportunity, if they beat those teams, to start moving up the standings because of that. You know, they've already gotten through Los Angeles and other Los Angeles and the games against Philly and Utah and Miami's done off the schedule. Um, yes, they still have Brooklyn coming, but like the second they half have, of they the play season, Miami in, in Cleveland. Oh, that's right. Miami and Cleveland, they but they don't have to go to Miami where they yeah. haven't won since like soft contacts were invented, basically. <laughs> um, so like, that's <laughs> Oh so, like, so the opportunity is there for them. They always knew that the second half of the season schedule was going to be more favorable if they just got through everything they had to get through and they didn't break. And they didn't break. Like, there was frustration, right? There were natural uh, moments of pointing fingers and raising palms because these guys are competitors. But at the end of the day, like, all of that was temporary. They stayed together. And now fully healthy with this particular schedule, um, they feel like, yes, they are capable of of taking a run at this thing. And they want to. I don't think it's the right move, but they want it, and they're going to fight for it. The Cavaliers are currently two games back of the Chicago Bulls. Um, excuse Not me, the even Tor- the Bulls anymore. Toronto Raptors. Toronto yeah. Raptors. Uh, two games back of the Toronto Raptors, 23 and 34. Cavaliers, 20 and 35. So, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Cleveland, well, they're all kind of tied for that uh, that tenth seed. You have Toronto's twenty three and thirty four, Chicago's twenty two and thirty three, uh, Washington's twenty two and twenty, or excuse me, twenty two and thirty three. So the Cavaliers two games back of all of them, but they ha- they'll have an opportunity to play a lot of these teams coming up, as you mentioned. Um, you know, as you said, Washington is definitely on the schedule. Um, the Chicago Bulls are on the schedule. Plenty of teams surrounding them. They, you're right. They do have a chance. Now, that's interesting you said that because that's something that we really haven't talked about much. Um, maybe not much, but you mentioned that is that you said, I don't necessarily agree with it. Right. I don't I necessarily don't. I don't necessarily think that's the right move. Right. So your your explanation for those maybe who are wondering the reason it's not the right move to try to move into the playoffs is because you want to try your damnedest to get another top draft pick to add to this team. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're being honest about things when it comes to the Cavs and we're projecting forward, um, we can all admit, I think we can, that they have a good core. Yes. Right. The biggest question for me is just how good can it be And what is the ceiling? Right. And as I project forward, there is nobody that I think they can build this franchise around. Yes. That's a problem. Yes. Now, in saying that, they haven't been positioned to get that guy in the draft. It's not like there was somebody that they could have taken to build this around, and they didn't. Um, unless you really, really think Shea Gilgis Alexander is that much better than Colin Sexton. I think that's splitting hairs, though. Right. So if they're missing that, how are they going to get it, Hayden? Right. They, they're probably not going to have the kinds of pieces to make the blockbuster trade. And, and they're not even involved in these conversations, but hypothetically for Bradley Beal. Right. Right. I don't think they could win that if these other teams got involved. I think other teams have better assets. Um, 
to win that kind of discussion with those teams. And more tradable, right, right. More like the Cavaliers have assets, but they can't, like if they're right. in the build it, they can't trade some of these right. teams. Right, right. Um, and we know that they're not a great free agency destination. And on top of that, it's not a great free agency class already. So that that difference I mean, maker- say that as you will, the, uh, the, the, the number one free agent maybe of all time chose to come to Cleveland, so. Yeah, right. So <laughs> as, as long as the guy was born in Northeast Ohio and had that kind of tie, then sure. Right. Maybe Steph, right? Maybe in the future, Maybe Steph, Steph like, yeah. hey, I was born in an Akron hospital. I'll love to come to Cleveland. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yes, go on. So, I mean, their only chance really to get that difference making talent that they're lacking is through the draft. And this draft is considered by a lot of people um, to be one of the best in the last five to 10 years, especially at the top, right? There are a lot of people that feel like Cade Cunningham is a difference-making talent, that you can build your franchise around him. People think you can build the franchise around Evan Mobley from USC. There's a lot of support for Jalen Green thinking that he can be a franchise difference-maker. Um, so that's what the Cavs are missing and I like Colin Sexton. I like Darius Garland. I like Isaac Okoro. I like Jared Allen. I think the core, Larry Nance Jr., I think the core of this team makes sense. I think it fits together. But I think the ceiling is limited unless they get that franchise focal point. And the only way for them to do that is to get another high pick and try and get that guy in the draft. And this draft is the one where you don't want to be outside the top five, right? You want to be inside that top five. And for the Cavs, I think it's more beneficial for them to miss the play-in, miss the playoffs, and have the best odds possible of winning the lottery or at least staying in the top five. Yeah, and I mean, you look, again, you look at, you know, what made it possible for the best free agent that maybe of all time to come to Cleveland was, um, you know, it Kyrie. Was home. Yeah, well, also, also, but I'm and saying like. Kyrie was here. I, that's what I'm saying. It's like Kyrie was the number one overall pick. Tristan Thompson was the number four overall pick. They had Andrew Wiggins was the number one overall pick. They had the assets. They had they had the the luck in the lottery is what I was getting at. I was just kind of kidding about the whole LeBron thing. But like, but they had the assets because they had a lot of high picks. You know, Deion Waiters. They had a bunch of top four, top five picks. And right, they had six, Andrew Wiggins who right. could like the centerpiece of a trade for Kevin Love. Right, and since then. Since then, there's been no there like the Cavaliers have had essentially zero lottery luck. I mean, you look at Luka Doncic, you look at some of these drafts, they just missed out. So, I mean, maybe it's time that you know if Cleveland does miss the uh, the play in and get maybe that finally they would have an opportunity at a top heavy draft to really get that playmaker, that star that they need to kind of build around. Yeah, and here's the thing too, Hayden, like. I don't know what they're supposed to do to avoid winning games down the stretch. The schedule is what it is. Uh, J.P. Bickerstaff's going to play these guys. Uh, the front office is not going to prevent J.P. Bickerstaff from playing these guys if they're healthy. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's almost uncontrollable. Sure. But I, I think my stance is, if we're being honest, what's best for the organization is – losing these games down the stretch well i mean and yes like there are a lot i see a lot of you know 
a lot of Chicago, Detroit, Charlotte, Washington, Toronto, Orlando, Washington, Miami. But then you have Phoenix, Portland, Dallas, Dallas. Yeah, right. Boston's down there. Indiana's down there. And then, you know, the last game of the season against the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn. So maybe maybe that'll be the difference maker right there. The last game. I bet they sit everybody. Yeah, well, that's true, too. So, but either way, you're right. You can't, you can't tell them, Hey, we're not going to try. I mean, they're, they want to go for it. And I mean, oh my that's, God, yes. that's, and that's the, that's the MO of any organization is to win as many games as possible. So you, and these are competitors. So I get it from the player's perspective, but I also get it from your perspective. Um, and I think they're just going to let it shake it out, shake out how it may, or as it may. Right. Speaking I mean, of, I, go ahead. I mean, I, I think when it comes to injuries and things like that, they're going to still take the cautious approach. If Darius Garland has a groin injury or an ankle injury or Colin Sexton or Kevin Love, they're going to take the cautious approach because that's what they've always done and they've never wavered from that and they're always going to look at the big picture. But that doesn't mean that like they're purposely tanking. No, exactly. No, I would never say they're purpose. No, 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 no. Definitely. I just don't think J.B. Bickerstaff would do that. No. Um, and, and these guys want to fight for it. Right. We talked to Darius Garland earlier today about it, and he said, like, this is our chance. Um, right. We're going to take every game serious. We're going to try and win every single game that's remaining on the schedule. And and for a group, right, maybe not as much Darius, but Kevin Love, Colin Sexton, all they've dealt with is losing. Marion Anch Jr., all they've dealt with is losing right. um, for the most part for the last three years, uh, try telling them, hey, you know, it's better that you're going to, uh, it's better for you guys if you increase your odds of going into the lottery. You just can't tell these guys that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I completely agree. So that's why I said you kind of just have to, you know, you have to let them compete and play the game, you know, the way they want to play it. Yeah, see what happens. You're going to have nights like Charlotte where they play well, and then you're going to have nights like Golden State, where, you know, they don't put it all together. Right, exactly. Um, one of the draft picks you've been writing about recently and, and just about, in different um, ways, shapes, and forms is uh, Isaac Okoro. Yeah. Um, Isaac Okoro brought to Cleveland primarily for his defense and, you know, kind of his pedigree. I think Bruce Pearl called him just an absolute winner and a, and a winning player and a guy that you want on your team. Um, but the offense definitely was something that, um, you know, was a little bit of a – question mark coming in right it seems as though um things are getting better for him offensively and that's what you wrote about recently um on cleveland.com slash calves again so um quote unquote he's moving in the right direction he's a better offensive player overall is this i mean what what do you believe the ceiling is for isaac coro offensively yeah i mean that's so hard because so much of this is predicated on role so much of this is predicated on um, situation that he's put in so much of this is predicated on his own work ethic. Um, I I think the way that I would phrase it, Hayden is it's up to him. Like, yeah, I mean, I I think there are things. Is his shot as pretty as some of these other players? Um, no, it's not. It's something that the Cavs are continuing to work on. They're working on his hand placement. They're working on a higher follow through. They're working on him holding the follow-through longer. He is not a natural shooter, and he doesn't have a natural shooter's motion. But um, he's a worker. Like, he's one of the hardest workers on this team. He's grown. 
Um, he's in the midst. Here it is in April. This is his best shooting month of his young career. It's his best scoring month of his young career. Um, he looks more comfortable on the offensive end. So that's the kind of trajectory that makes you believe that, yes, with more time, with more reps, with more experience, that there is something there in his offensive package that the Cavs can pull out of him. Um, Jimmy Butler did not shoot well early on in his career. Andre Iguodala didn't shoot well early in his career. Kawhi Leonard didn't score well early in his career. I think that's the other thing that we have to remember is that he came into the NBA 19 years old, no summer league, no transition period, no working with the Cavs coaching staff until training camp. So there are a lot of things working against him. And on top of that, Hayden, he has such a limited role offensively that his production is going to fluctuate because of that. It's not like he's a high-usage player like Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Kevin Love. Like, his opportunities are limited. So he's going to have to make the most of those. And some nights he's going to be able to make those shots that he gets. Other nights, he's not going to be able to make those shots that he gets. They don't need him to be great on offense right now. He can't be great on offense right now. But it's up to him how good he becomes in the future. I think right now, as long as, you know, he's making the most of the opportunities that he's getting and he's getting better, I think that's really all you can ask for is for, you know, just to see some improvement. And it's and it's shown. It's definitely shown in his shot and his, you know, comfort with the offense. I mean, you know, as you as I've as we said a lot during the offseason was just like, I can't imagine what it's going to be like for these rookies just coming in and right. with no nothing, with no training camp and no right. time with the team and just got to, you know, throw them into the fire. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, Isaac Okoro you know, wasn't brought to Cleveland to be an offensive weapon and um, has started pretty much, you know, most of the games and has really just, you know, grown and grown as, as an offensive player. So you really and, can't ask for more than that. And here's the other thing. So let's look at the 2020 NBA draft. There are very few guys from that class that are having big time success. LaMelo Ball is the clear rookie of the year favorite. Um, he played professionally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. think about that. It was a different kind of road for him. Yeah, He played professionally. Anthony Edwards was a one and done. He struggled mightily at the beginning of the season. He has started to come around, but, you know, a lot of advanced numbers point to him not making much of an impact. But you can see the flashes. You can see okay. why he was the number one overall pick. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is probably closest to LaMelo Ball when it comes to rookie of the year voting. He wasn't a one-and-done. Yeah. He played 30-something more games of college basketball than Isaac Okoro. So he got that experience. He was more mature. A lot of signs were pointing to him being more of an immediate impact player than Isaac. You know, the guys who were one-and-done, the guys who um, uh we're at a different stage of their development because of their age and because of their skill set. Like all those guys are going through the same ups and downs, growing pains that Isaac is because it's just a really, really hard season for these rookies. James Wiseman was awful. Like he was making the warriors in danger of missing the play in tournament. The best thing that has happened for them is that they don't have to deal with those growing pains from him and they can 
rely on Steph and Draymond and, and some of these other uh, more seasoned players, and they're playing uh, their best basketball right now uh, with James Wiseman on the sidelines. You know, Patrick Williams went, I don't remember what it was, I think it was three straight games without making a shot recently. Onyeka Kongwu has done nothing for Atlanta. Killian Hayes has been injured. Obi Toppin has been awful. Denny Avdia has done nothing for Washington. So if you go through this entire draft class, like a lot of these guys are going through the same struggles that Isaac is going through. Yeah, and certainly, you know, this draft, I mean, it, you you mentioned all those names, and it, it was a weak draft for a reason. There was no right. there was no question that this draft wasn't going to be one of the better drafts, and then you add on top of it, like I said, the lack of time, the lack of experience, it's all it's all going into it. Uh, the one thing you wrote about Isaac Okoro as well is that, you know, he's, I mean, he was brought in as a defender first and foremost, and mm-hmm. he's he's done, I mean, he's seen pretty much everything at this point that you can see. <laughs> He's seen, you know, every pretty, like every assignment you could want, he's seen it. So, yeah. first of all, how do you think he's handled it? And how do you think, you know, I mean, could this guy end up one of the best defenders in the NBA if he continues to work? First, I think he's handled it great from a mental standpoint. Yeah. He's not broken. Um, he keeps coming. Uh, he's unfazed, really. Uh, Steph was making a couple of shots against him the other night. And, you know, he didn't slump his shoulders. He didn't put his head down. He was just like, all right, time to go. Go on the other side, see if I can make an impact offensively. If not, all right, go back, get ready defensively, and and we'll try. Um, I think he has grown on defense too, Hayden. I think he had a tough time early on in his rookie season of navigating screens and and fouling. Um, (laughs) I think he's gotten better at that. He stayed out of foul trouble in a better way recently. I think he is navigating screens better. I think he's being more vocal out there on the court. Um, It's funny because I looked at the numbers on this. Um, In the two games against the Warriors, and this is just against one team, it's against Steph. um, Steph scored 69 total points. 69. Mm -hmm. You know how many of those came against Isaac? And Isaac was the one who, in the two games combined, guarded him the most, according to NBA.com matchup data. He spent the most time, double the amount of time of anybody else. Colin, Darius, Jared Allen, whatever the case may be. Um, You know how many of those 69 came against Isaac? 20. 10. Oh, wow. 10. And it was on a, a not great shooting percentage. Yeah. So, like, if you think about the other night, the most recent game, the big flurry that Steph went on late in the third quarter, Isaac was on the bench. Yep. And Golden State, in the first time out the other night, made a clear adjustment to set screens higher up, closer to center court, to get Steph away from Isaac so that Steph could be matched up against Jared Allen or he could be matched up against some of these other guys and just go straight downhill. So it was clear that Isaac was disrupting Um, Steph and he was disrupting the Warriors offense early in the game that Steve Kerr had to call that timeout early on and had to make that specific adjustment. So if I'm game planning against the Cavs, um, I'm doing everything in my power to get my scorers against. Oh, uh, sure. Against anyone not named Isaac Okoro and Jared Allen. Jared Allen, obviously, you know, is a center, so he's a little bit different. But I mean, I would do everything in my power to get hey, get this guy on Colin, get this guy on Darius, get this guy on Kevin, you know. Right. I mean, just, 
Yeah. Isaac got burned by LeBron. Jeremy Grant yeah. did a number against Isaac. So there are certain guys where um, he has struggled defensively, but I think that's all part of it. And and I think he's going to be better and he's going to be more seasoned and more experienced because of these matchups against these kinds of players. Right. And some of it, I mean, so, you know, you know, as well as anybody in the NBA, it's not, you know, it's not even about sometimes you play great defense and guy, right. makes, you know, I mean, that's, that's what LeBron makes everybody look stupid at times. Just right. plays great defense and he'll hit a turnaround, turnaround fadeaway that you don't even, you know, you have no shot of, 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 hit or of defending. So, I mean, it's, it's not always about the effort or the talent or the skill of the defender. Sometimes, you know, just offensively, it's just way too much. Shoot, man. In this era of the NBA with the rules favoring offensive players, great offense is going to be great defense every single time. Every time, every time, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, I know you were happy to see Larry Nance Jr. back because I was too. I mean, just after this whole illness thing. Um, how is he doing with everything? Yeah, he's not right. I think everybody can see that. Yeah. He's not in rhythm. He's not in the same shape, the same physical condition. He doesn't have the same strength. Um, he lost around 20 pounds in a little bit more than a week. Yeah. Uh, and, and while he was um, sidelined with the illness... He didn't really touch a basketball. He was bedridden. Yeah. So it's going to take him a little bit of time. Um, I think it's clear in just watching him in the first two games that he hasn't been the same player. And I think the other thing is this, Hayden. Um, he grew used to starting. Yeah. He was getting 30 to 35 minutes a night. He was involved heavily in the offense. He's going to have to adjust mentally, along with the physical challenge of getting his body back the way that it was. He's going to have to adjust mentally to coming off the bench and not being the same high-minute, high-usage guy um, that, that you know, he was when, when Kevin Love was sidelined um, for the 40-plus games. It's actually so, probably good for him right now just because, you know. Yeah, it allows him to work in yeah. slowly, yep. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he's saying that though, like he's gotta he's gotta figure out his I don't want to say new role, but you know, he's gotta get readjusted mentally. Oh, uh, for sure. To what the Cavs are now asking him to do, which is a little bit different. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure that he doesn't have a problem doing it. I mean, he's a team guy for sure. Oh, of and, course. And but it's yeah, it does take a little bit of a different uh, attitude or a different mental space for him to do that. Um, Chris, before we get out of here, um, anything pressing on your mind? Anything that you want to discuss? Any subtexts that you sent out that you um, want to kind of plug? No, so I wanted to circle back to what we were talking about because I I, I don't know that we did a good enough job on the why of this. Um, in, in terms of like them not having the focal point of this rebuild, yeah. I want to explain. Like I think Darius Garland has made big-time strides in his second year in the NBA. And, and Colin Sexton was getting all-star consideration, and he's going to get a big contract eventually. Um, but I, I want to make this clear, like my stance just overall is that it's very, very difficult to build around guards. Yeah. Especially guards that are six foot one. 
Um, You saw how difficult it was. Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer. He is one of the best point guards that we've ever seen. We saw how difficult it was for New Orleans to try and build around him. We saw how difficult it was for the Los Angeles Clippers to try and build around him. Um, Steph Curry is transcendent. He has changed the game more than anybody else over the last 10 years. Right. It is very difficult. It was very difficult for the Warriors to build around him. They had to get a lot right. They had to do a lot right. They had to spend a lot of money. Um, Kyrie Irving, the Cavs. We saw how talented he was. We saw all the things that he accomplished. He's one of the best point guards in the game. It was very difficult for the Cavs to build around him. So it's just by nature in the NBA, it is very, very difficult to build around small guards and make those guys your best player. And it's not a knock against Darius and what he's accomplished in year two. It's not a knock against Colin Sexton and how efficient of a scorer he's been. And this doesn't mean that I think Colin should be moved to the bench in a six-man role. Um, It's just my philosophy overall is that. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I I totally agree that Colin Sexton has has been a hit. I mean, for the Cavaliers, Uh, Darius Garland's been a hit, but Jared Allen's a definite hit. You know, but it's just like they just don't have that guy, like that guy, that star. Like Colin can be a really damn good player. He can be an all star, but like I don't even think that makes him like kind of the focal point or that star kind of guy on the team. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree that he needs to be a six man. I don't necessarily agree that he can't be a contributor for a championship team. But I I think the thing that I agree with is that, OK, I think Colin just isn't going to be enough for you to, you know, to be a perennial, you know, playoff title contending team. I think you yeah. need a big time kind of star in that, you know, and obviously it's easier said than done. Because if, if that was the case, the Cavs would have, you know, just easily found a star and put him in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of – they thought they ha- might have had one in, in Kevin Porter Jr., but obviously those um, off-the-court issues certainly kind of hampered that experiment. And um, you wish him the best in Houston. But, I mean, they need that kind of – that that bigger, better, stronger, yes. you know, player in the, in the middle of that lineup. And then when you add that – you add that to Darius Garland, to Colin Sexton, to Jared Allen, and Kevin Love and Larry Nance. I mean, let's go. Yep. They need a two-way wing. Yes. There's no doubt about that. Or a bigger guard with the kind of size that Darius and Colin don't have. Right. A bigger guard because the limitations won't show up as much, especially in a seven-game series. You need guys that are going to shift series. Those are the guys that you want to build around. Right. Um and, and they're hard to find. Everybody understands that they're hard to find. Kawhi's, LeBron's, Giannis, uh, Kevin Durant, like those, Jason Tatum, Boston's trying to build around him. Like those guys are really, really hard to find. But if those guys are your one in a rebuild, um, you're obviously going to have a much better chance. Look at how difficult it's been for Portland to build around Dame. And right. Dame's awesome. He's in the MVP yeah. conversation. Yep. But there are limitations when trying to build around those kinds of guys. If that's what you're going to try and do, you have to, like I said, get almost everything right around them. You have to find the right defensive pieces. You have to find the right offensive fits. 
and and the the offensive fits also have to be competent defensive players too. So it just if the Cavs were to go that route and and try and make the backcourt the focal point of this rebuild and nobody in the organization feels like that's the direction that they should go. Nobody in the organization believes that Colin is somebody that you can build around. Nobody in the organization believes that Darius is a guy that you can build around. Um, if if you were to go that direction, like your margin for error is so small. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And that's that's the whole thing is that the Cavaliers just haven't really been in that position. I mean, I guess they've been I guess any you can, you know, I guess, you, you know, Giannis turned into a star and he wasn't necessarily a top five pick. But I mean, they right, really but I mean, like who of the guys that they passed on for exactly. Colin or passed on for Darius or passed on for Isaac is going to be Giannis or Kawhi, that middle of the first round guy. The only one that you can really make an argument for, I guess, to Michael Porter Jr. and Shea Gilgis Alexander. But again, I think that's splitting hairs because Colin's been just as good, if not better, than um, both of those guys in his first three years in the NBA. Right. But you're right. It's just it's very hard to find. And I mean, if they can't find it, it's going to be maybe a long road. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the draft. And like you said, that's what that's the whole reason we were saying that maybe it's better for them not to make the postseason or not to make the play in game just so they can have a better chance of getting one of those guys. But um, they're going to play hard. There's no doubt they're going to compete. And uh, it's going to be fun to interesting to watch, you know, down the stretch what they'll uh, end up doing and if they'll get into the uh, into the play in games. I mean, they're only two games out as of right now. So, Chris, enjoy the rest of your time in Chicago. I know they got a game tonight, so yep. uh, step for that and enjoy. I, I mean, I love deep dish pizza. I don't know if you're. I the- hate it. I know. I know you hate it. I remember it's you. Casserole. Saying. What the okay. hell? All right. So then enjoy. Go enjoy a, a casserole for me at some point. Uh, no, it's not <laughs> happening. I'll go to I'll go to Italy and I'll get my Neapolitan style. Thank you very much. All right. Well, then go do that. Do something. <laughs> enjoy your time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Um, safe travels back to Cleveland and we will talk soon, my friend. Thanks, brother. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. We will talk to you soon. Again, go to cleveland.com slash Cavs for all of Chris's fantastic work covering the Cavs around the country and sign up for his subtext $3.99 a month. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs and click the blue banner at the top of the page. Until then, I'm Hayden Grove. We will talk to you soon. Take care.